Welcome to the Milestones Motivation and Money Podcast, a weekly conversation filled with stories of business, financial literacy, careers, leadership, and resilience. Setting and achieving goals is key, whether they are related to your finances, business, or career. I hope to empower you with these conversations no matter where you are in life. I'm your host, Angel Radcliffe, and on this show, get ready to change your mindset and start your journey to achieve your lifelong goals. So if you need a little motivation to start your day or jumpstart your next project, tune in and be sure to join our community online at milestonesmotivationmoney.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to the show. I'm so happy for everyone tuning in from all across the globe. Today, this episode is for those business owners or for those who are wanting to start a business. We're going to be chatting about what should be in a pitch deck. And this is so important because I receive so many DMs on Instagram, Facebook, or believe it or not, more than 50% of my clients who book me for one-on-one, they need help creating their pitch deck, especially when it comes down to the financials. So today we're going to be joined by Donna Griffith, who is a corporate storyteller. So she works to help you tell the story of your business, but she also offers services to help you create your pitch deck. So Donna has worked globally for over 16 years with Fortune 500 companies, startups, and investors in a wide variety of industries. She has consulted and trained in over 30 countries, and through her guidance, she's raised over $1 billion. I'm so excited to have the conversation and welcome Donna to the show. So let's go ahead and get started. Donna, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Angel. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here so you can share some nuggets about pitch decks because such an important topic for small business owners, especially in the last two years, we've seen an uptick in the number of people starting a business and people are not really understanding how do they tell their stories and how do they present their business? It's, you know, it's the curse of the founder. You know, your business so well and everything is so clear in your head. And then you go to try to talk about it and it's like, so, so I'm here to kind of be the translator for geek speak. Right. So how about you give us a background on you and what you do? Great. So I uh, have been a corporate storyteller for over 17 years, which basically means that I've roamed the globe literally and virtually helping executives, startup founders and professionals um, create and deliver powerful messages that drive to their business goals and their business results. I started off working with large organizations and then 2008 came along, kind of deja vu the past year and a half. And that's when I found myself moving towards startups who were really struggling to get funding, knew they needed to tell a better story. And it was just such a natural transition. And and I love it because every day I get to work with new and exciting and innovative ideas. Just to give you an idea of the range, today was the perfect day. So this morning I worked with an app that does simultaneous translation of sign language to to whatever other language it might be right now. It's, 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 it's limited, but it's going to expand into languages And what I didn't know was that there are 300 different types of sign language because it's also like dialects. And it's just astounding and beautiful and wonderful that this community is going to have the ability to now uh, communicate 
and make themselves heard. And then on the other hand, I was working with a company that helps massive industrial machines be flexible and fluid and create different types of products and different types of packaging on one set without having to completely transform the machine. So it really runs the gamut. Oh, wow. And you've transitioned to a small business owner and you do a multitude of things. One of them being working with startups on their pitch deck. So Donna, talk to me about how exactly you got this idea to only work with startups. So, so I, my main focus is startups. I do work with some VCs on their fundraising and I still work with some organizations giving trainings, but the first kind of aha moment of working with startups happened. So like I said, 2008, everything was kind of crumbling. I was kind of finding myself and what I was going to do. It was like, cause all of my corporate workshops had been shut down in, in the space of, of a few days and it's like, all right, what's next? And I started dabbling in coaching and, and, and some other things. And I was introduced to a cardiothoracic surgeon who needed help with his professional speeches. And he was also a startup founder. He had two medical devices that he had invented and created. And he asked if I could help with his startup pitch decks because he had been invited to present at a very prestigious investor conference. He had two five-minute opportunities for his two companies. And we worked for months refining and creating these decks. And, you know, everything was letter perfect. And I actually presented on his behalf. And then the other companies get up to present and were shot down within the first 30 seconds. And my heart just broke for them. And I'm like, gosh, they traveled all this way and they had this opportunity and they blew it. Why didn't they work with someone like me? And that's when I realized there weren't a lot of people focusing on storytelling for startups. It just wasn't something that was done. And I'm like, okay, there's my new audience. And then come the voices, Angel, you know, like, oh yeah, startups aren't going to pay you or, oh yeah, you know, they're, they're, they don't have that. And, and, you know, thank you for, for your concern. I'm going to try this anyway. And here we are um, <laughs> way down the line from then in the throes of our second kind of crisis, big crisis to emerge. And my schedule is filled for the next month. I mean, literally filled. So I am so grateful and so happy that I have found something that I love doing and can truly bring value to others. Oh, definitely. And I've, I've been to some of those entrepreneur startups where people are able to come in and pitch and practice their pitch. So I live in Dallas, Texas, and we have this event held by a nonprofit, which supports entrepreneurs, but it's called 1 Million Cups of Coffee. And every Wednesday, you can come down, you can pitch your business, but it's more so for practice. But at times, there will be real investors sitting in the audience. And I've seen people get a deal. Some people just solely bombed it. And, you know, they're doing this 15, 20-minute pitch. But at times, when we're networking or passing by someone and we want to really promote our business, we have to really get acquainted with our elevator pitch. So that's more like the 30 second, one minute, um, before we really start getting to the deep dive of pitch decks, how should someone prepare their elevator pitch for their business? All right. So what's cool about the structure of a story of your pitch of your, of your startup is it's, it's condensable. So you can expand it and contract it as needed. So 
you're able to really stick to the same structure that the that, that storytelling is based on and that my method is based on, which is basically kind of the traditional hero story of the problem solution, the plan, and you know, where do we go from here in a nutshell? And people might be saying, oh, come on, that's been done so much. And, and I'm like, yeah, it has been done so much. It's been done for thousands of years because this is how the classics wrote. This is how it was in Greek tragedies and in Shakespeare and in all the, 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 the greats, because that's how our brain takes in information and, and makes sense of it. And if you go to the movies today, it's the same archetypal scripts being written again and again and again, because storytelling works. Now, there'll be twists and turns and characters and surprises and, and uh, all this great technology that makes it an immersive experience, but the core of the storytelling is the same. So if you have like a minute to present yourself, don't be deterred, don't, don't, don't feel compelled to like, oh, I only have a minute. I have to talk about my product as much as possible. That's a big mistake. You miss the engagement of the emotional piece of uh, helping them the understanding of why you're doing this. Who is this for? Whose need is it? So you start off with a little bit about the problem that you're solving and you can tell a story. You can talk about your, your founder, your origin story. Why did you start this? And just like a real snippet of it. So if you have a longer story, you just have to kind of boil it down. And it's always easier, I think, to write longer and then cut it down than to start short and then expand. So a bit about the origin and how you're solving this problem, a bit about your solution and what you're doing, and then maybe something exciting about one of your achievements or the business or the market. And that's it. And get them to want to hear more. You'd rather leave them being like, oh, you need to tell me more rather than, oh, OK, thank you. Can you please stop now? Wow. <laughs> and, you know, going beyond that 30 second to one minute pitch, you know, if someone's in front of a room and giving their presentation, they definitely need a pitch deck. Yes. But, you know, I talked about how people get together and they practice. And of course, we know pitch decks are useful for obtaining funding or investors. But what are the reasons would someone need a pitch deck? So if you have a startup, that is going to be funded, then you need a pitch deck. I mean, if you want to get it funded, if you want to sell, a sales deck is also another thing. Um, investors demand it as like their basic tool for assessing you. There, there's really no way around it because you're going to be asked for the deck, the pitch, the presentation. So you should have it ready and you should have one version that's like your send out version, which is sort of the teaser deck. And then one that's the longer sort of full story. And, and there's, there, it's, it's very clear what it needs to contain also and the flow of it. So you have to have it ready. You have to be ready at any time. You never know if the next person you meet is going to change your life. And, and be your next investor or your next partner or your, you know, someone that's going to be pivotal to your business. And you have to be able in a very small space to be able to tell a very big story. And that is your specialty. Yes. So you're saying the pitch deck should be able to tell the story of your business. Mm -hmm. You got it. And yeah. how do we exactly tell that story? What all should be included for someone who has no knowledge of what even goes into this pitch deck? Where would they start? 
So like I said, you could start um, with my cheat sheet, which will be very helpful because I really go through and explain each thing. So I'll kind of give you the, the high level overview of it. So the first thing, th think of it as like a four act play if we're talking storytelling. And the first act is the villain emerges and the town is in danger. Okay, so what is the problem? What is the pain? What is the need? Or what is the opportunity? It might not be, you know, you're solving world hunger or climate change, but you might have something that is a massive opportunity that can really be a very lucrative and exciting market. And that's, that's one. So that's the first act. The second act is, all right, here, what's your solution? How are you going to do it? And you need to make it in a way that anyone and everyone can understand whether they have a degree in computer science or whatever you wherever you come from, they, they don't have to be a programmer in order to understand what you're doing. You have to keep it simple, clear, and focused. Then the third act of the play is, okay, what's the plan? What's the business plan? How are you going to make money? How big is your market? How are you going to grow? How are you going to expand? How are you different from your competitors? And then the fourth act is, okay, where do we go from here? We're interested. So where is this going? What's the big vision? How much funding do you need to get there? What's your roadmap looking like? And that's it. That's your four act play. Now, Donna, I want to hone in on the financials yes. because for someone who maybe they're hitting up a startup and they're going in for the ask and asking for some big bucks, let's say they haven't necessarily made a ton of money just yet. What should they portray as far as the financials? And their pitch deck. Yes, that's an excellent question. And that's something that, that that founders really grapple with. Like we're not making money yet. We don't really have revenues. How will we prove our value and our worth? Look, uh, things have changed so much. Like six months ago, a year ago, um, when people would ask me, when should I be raising funding? I'd say when you have at least a minimum viable product and MVP and you have users and you have some initial revenue, that's a good time because you can prove that that this your value and and that people want this and people are buying this if you don't have that yet it's going to be more challenging now the funding arena has changed there's a lot of money going out but it's not that they're just handing out sacks of money on every street corner you need to be able to prove it so you need to show that you have a viable very different technology that works that you're going to be able to serve a need of a market that really wants it and that you have a clear business model and you know what the financials are. And at this point, and I mean, you could probably tell this much better than I am, like how do you estimate financials when you don't have revenue yet? There's projections that you can make and you want to be as realistic as possible. You don't want to shoot too big, but you do need to paint a big picture of how big this could potentially get. If you have your initial target market and then a much bigger market that you're heading towards, if you have something that's truly unique and truly different and, and life-changing, for the industry, you know, you need to be able to prove those things too. It, the, the, the more traction you have, the easier it's going to be to, to actually do this. All right. Awesome. Now for someone who's sitting down and they're, they're probably taking notes from this show and they're saying, Hmm, maybe I should really start a pitch deck. Is there a preferred software or format it should be in? And how long should a pitch deck actually be? Great. So the format, you're more than welcome to, to use my format as, as your baseline and it works. It just does. <laughs> In terms of the design and the software, which you'd, you'd be surprised how important design is. You can't have a 
billion dollar product and a buck and a half looking slides. You have to, to, to look the part as well. So there's some really great inexpensive or free software out there. There's a new one called pitch.com, which I've been using with some clients. It's really intuitive and easy to make your slides look beautiful. There's Canva, there's SlideBot, SlideBean. There's a lot out there. You don't have to be a graphic designer in order to make your slides look great resources. So definitely we'll have to list those in the show notes because so many people don't know about these simple tools in which they can create documents and really get in weight, really getting away from the traditional PowerPoint or their Word document. So I definitely want to share those. I want to go back to starting your business. When you think about your journey as an entrepreneur, who would you say has inspired you along the way? Oh boy. You know, I think I've drawn the most inspiration, ironically, from my clients. It's funny because seeing this relentlessness and, and I'm married to uh, an entrepreneur as well. And seeing the never giving up and the iterating and the trying again and reinventing and recreating and then being able to come in and help them on their journey and help them show their greatness to the world is both humbling and inspiring at the same time. I, I, so I think that that's been my biggest driving force all, all the way along. Thinking back, who actually taught you about business? Well, so my, my, when I became a corporate storyteller, so I, I mean, it's not that I, when I was five, I said, oh, I want to be a corporate storyteller when I grow up. It was one of those things that was kind of a known thing. And it was one of those journeys that I kind of made there. I had always acted and always been very interested in people as well. And I discovered when I was 16, that there was this profession called drama therapy. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's the perfect thing. And I had never wanted to become an actress because I was I didn't want to be waiting tables when I was 30 supplementing my dream career. I wanted to be living my dream career. And, you know, you're, you're a woman of numbers, you know, you need to have something sustainable. So I started looking for, okay, so I've got this degree in drama therapy. Most of the opportunities, I got my degree at NYU. Most of the opportunities in career are basically that of a a starving artist. Where do I go from here? How do I take these skills and knowledge and then level it up and took some continuing courses at NYU, some postmasters in training and organizational development after hearing, you know, that there's this thing, corporate training. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I want to do. Be in front of groups, give them skills. And I sent my resume to the first job posting I saw in Craigslist for a corporate trainer in presentation skills and business writing skills. And that started my journey with a wonderful company called Boyer Communications Group. Uh, And I worked with Brad Boyer for for many years. And he was a a trainer, a spiritual father, a boss and a guide. And I learned so much from him on that. And then I was able to take what we did in corporate settings and then translate that into the world of startups. And how did I learn startups? On the job, you know, as I went and, and I found that I have this kind of filter in my brain, this machine, this engine that just crunches in data and spits out stories. So I don't come from a background of finance. I don't come from a background of technology, hardware, software, cyber, but I could probably tell their story better than they can after a session with them. And usually I'll end up getting a job offer, come be our director of sales and marketing, which is flattering, but I love what I do too much. And I love the variety of it. So I owe a lot to Brad for learning it, but I also, it's, it's just been a self-learning journey. 
Oh, well, shout out to Brad because you would not be here sharing all these amazing nuggets today. And, you know, I'm sure you have so much more to share looking at your website and all the services that you provide. Gosh, someone would just be in heaven if they had you on speed dial. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm on speed email. <laughs> So Donna, it's been a pleasure and I know we're nearing the end of the show, but I want to ask you a question and this is a themed question I ask everyone on the show. Of course, we discussed prior to recording, one of my brands is balling on a budget. And when you hear that particular phrase, what comes to mind or what would be your personal definition of balling on a budget? Yes. Oh boy. Making the most of life with what you have living with a sense of, I think it's, it's a state of mind when you live in abundancy and you see yourself growing and scaling and always thinking about, okay, what's the next big step I can take in order to scale and to grow. And most important, not letting limiting beliefs and limiting voices and people get you down. I love that living in abundance and not letting people get you down. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to have to quote that on a future episode. Feel free to. It was such a pleasure chatting with you. Donna, do you have any last words for listeners today? Yes, I do. Um, So Seneca said that luck is where preparation meets opportunity. I hope I'm quoting that right. So I think you have to have a lot of luck as an entrepreneur and as a startup to be in the right place at the right time, but you need to be ready to be in that right place. Because if you're in the right place and you have that opportunity, you can't grab it. All the work has been for naught. So make sure your story is clear. Make sure your message is clear. Make sure you know your numbers inside out and don't be afraid to sell a really big vision. Even if you're not there now, you will be there. And that's what investors are looking to invest in. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Be sure to leave us a review and let us know any ideas you have for a future show topic. And if you really want to show us some love, share this episode with a friend and be sure to join our community online, milestonesmotivationandmoney.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at milestonesmotivationandmoney. Tune in next time.